you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, didn't Jesus say, don't judge so that you won't be judged? Uh, well, I don't think it quite goes like that. Really? How do you know? Well, because it's in the Bible and hey, it's in the Sermon on the Mount and we're going to read it oh, today. Oh, you mean we should check it? Yeah, we're going to read it in context and find out what it really means today on More, More Than, Than Ink. Well, good morning. You found us again. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, you found More Than Ink, where we propose that what you read on the page of the Bible is... More than just more, what's written more there. More than just what's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Paul, Paul encourages us that all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, proof, correction, training, righteousness that we might be fully equipped. So that's why we're here. We have a great belief in, look, in reading the word for ourselves, and we hope that you are developing a, uh, a hunger to read it for yourself as well. It's not just for experts. It's not just for professionals. So that's why we're here. And so what are we studying still? Well, we're in the book of Matthew. We are partway through the Sermon on the Mount. Right, Actually, right. the next week or two, we're going to finish that up. And, you know, while you were talking about more than ink, the word, um, we, the Sermon on the Mount, of course, is the words of Jesus. Yeah, right, right. Who is himself identified as the word of the God word. made flesh. Yeah. So, you know, th this picture of the word, the communication of God is much larger than just the words on the page, the ink on the paper. Yeah, and and you know the whole concept of words from an ancient perspective is more than just communication. Right. I mean, it's 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 like uh, it's synonymous with command. Well, and a statement of truth. And a statement of truth, the way things really are. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and I like to point out that when the universe was created hmm. in Genesis one, it, it it started from a word from yeah. God. God so, said. And it was. Yeah, so this isn't, these words from God are not just a description of the way things truly are. They actually are the source of the reality of these the things. The reality. Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing. Well, okay, we're in, we are right in the middle, kind of. Well, no, we're a little past middle well, now yeah, on the Sermon on but, the Mount. You know, so it's easy to read the Sermon on the Mount thinking that it's a whole bunch of little disconnected chunks. Yeah, right. But right. There, there is a connection. To it through all of it, and, mm -hmm. and hopefully that'll mm -hmm. become a little clearer as we work our way through this yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. So again, if you're joining with us, we're reading out of the ESV version. Uh, it's best if you have that same version. If you don't, just kind of listen. Yeah, or, just or for else simplicity. You'll be trying to match words as we go. Uh, but we're in the ESV, and we're, and we're starting into chapter 7, which is the last of the three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. So here we go. Okay. You want to take it for us? Yep. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, you will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? <laughs> or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
Okay, that's pretty good. Let's stop there. Yeah. So this very <laughs> first verse is probably the maybe the best known verse of the entire New Testament for yeah, people. Yeah, and it's often misapplied. And it's misapplied, <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime you get to a point in life where you're starting to make a value judgment about either behavior or morals or ethics or something like that, someone will say, hey, 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 doesn't the Bible say yeah, ju- judge, judge not, not unless you be judged? Yeah. And they and they think it's kind of a call for, for non-discernment, that you can't. Right. You know, you can't separate. In fact, you can't apply any discerning thought. Yeah, and and this word actually does mean to separate or to mm-hmm. distinguish between two different things. Well, we're certainly not supposed to be blind right. to that. I mean, that's just just that's just silly. So, so what is he really saying? If it's not uh, prohibitive, it's not prohibitive against judging altogether. Well, you know, even in English, we use the word judge a couple of different ways, mm-hmm. right? Because we expect people to have sound judgment, right? Right. But we don't expect them to judge someone as condemned without proper evidence to render a verdict yeah, I mean, right that to be comes fair. from authority yeah. so you know we we have to be careful that we understand who is jesus talking to and what's he talking about mm-hmm, he's talking mm-hmm. to human beings in their relationships with one another because yeah. god judges us all by the same standard and that's which a is for his sure. own perfect righteousness yeah, yeah. so none of us has a right to judge one another in that regard yeah. but you know we're talking to a crowd that was mixed everyday jews and then the pharisees and the scribes and the sadducees who regarded themselves as the professionally righteous uh, and right. made it a habit to judge the one quali- another's the quality judge. of one yeah. another's righteousness. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I think that's probably what he's aiming at. Yeah. And you know what I do when I read this? Uh, like I said, people will quote the first verse and just the first verse right. in the context. What I normally do so you can get the feel for what he's talking about here is I, I do a run-on sentence between one and two. And mm-hmm. this is how I would right. read it. I'd say, judge not that you be judged with the judgment that you pronounce when you judge and the measure that you use against others. So he's saying basically, it's, right. it's not prohibiting judging. He's saying if you judge, you are going to be judged the same way you judge other people. Right. So if you want it to be a fair judgment on you, it better be a fair judgment that you bring to other people. So it's well, not prohibiting judging. I don't believe he's talking about God judging us. He's no, talking no, no, about no, no. the way we judge one another as right. human beings. Right. So if you walk around pointing the finger at other people and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, that's what you're going to get back. Yeah. And so in short form, what he's saying, you know, if you want to be judged fairly, you you better judge fairly. fairly and that's really what he's getting at because because when you go all the way through verse five it's all about that it's about you're going to bring judgment on yourself in exactly the same way you're bringing judgment on other people well then he <laughs> he goes into the log and the spec idea right, right? because we it. don't see ourselves very clearly yeah yeah. And it's real easy to pick out a teeny weeny little fault in someone else when we have a massive uh, disability in that area ourselves. And I mean, human experience just proves this out. Those things that we are most sensitive to the unfairness of in other people are very often the places where well, we ourselves tend to be unfair. And isn't it interesting that we are probably less aware of our shortcomings sure. than we are of the shortcomings of other people? because yeah, we all have blind spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> caused yeah. by those telephone poles in our eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah, so if he's saying, if, if you lean forward and say, hey, let me get that out of your eye for you, and and I mean, you're actually blinded maybe by the same thing. Well, you're going to smack somebody with a telephone you're, pole you're in your eye if yeah. you are leaning forward to take the speck out of theirs. <laughs> right. and, 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 you know, he's not being literal about this telephone pole in your eyes. He's using imagery. But it, it's kind of a semi-humorous Im- imagery. Like, you know, if, if you're going to take out a tiny thing in someone else's life, you, you got to be aware that you could be totally blind to yourself right. to the right. same thing, and it's much bigger. Yeah. Well, and he says, you hypocrite. 
right? Because, yeah. So that assumes that you're aware of the fact that you're, yeah. you're covering something up, yeah. right? A, yeah. a hypocrite is full of their own, uh, they, they cover with a mask, right? Yeah. They can yeah. behave well on the outside and are completely, Jesus said, you're full of dead men's bones. They're, right? they're not but, really being authentic about right. who they are inside, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, so so in fact, while you're at the hypocrite verse in five, that's that's what's interesting. He says you hypocrite, which means you you know you've got a problem with it. But he says he says Mm -hmm. take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now that's a that's actually an endorsement in a way of of being discerning in other people's lives. You just got to make sure that your side of the equation is clear before you do that. Well, and you, you know, this is connects, I think, to something he had said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, you know, when you come to bring your offering and mm-hmm. there remember that your brother has something against you, go and make it right with your mm-hmm. brother mm-hmm. before you come. And, you know, he's, he's aiming at bringing our internal self and our external behavior into consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Be who you are in your heart. Right. What's in your heart is going to come out in your actions. So yeah, yeah. be aware. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, this, you know, this reminds me of the scene with uh, the woman caught in adultery. And in, mm-hmm. in that whole thing, Jesus says, okay, then, well, you know, whoever has no sin cast yes. the first stone. Yeah. Who is without well, the sin. Yeah. So it's it's like, yeah, see, there's judgment. They're, they are judging her. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is saying, yeah, well, I, you might have logs in your own eyes. And, yeah. it, you know, when he says that stone thing, it, it cuts them to the quick and they understand. I mean, they're honest about themselves. Well, it's interesting because in her case, they were vicious and anxious that she should right. be condemned. Right. And right. so they were just waiting for blood. In, in essence, yeah, they weren't there for justice. No, no, not at all. No, they were using they were using they were her using her to trap Jesus. Using using justice as kind of an excuse to trap Jesus, which yeah. is just horrible. I mean, yeah. it's just horrible. And so, what what he's really asking us to do is that is that when we when we when we do interact in each other's lives, when it comes to sin or shortcomings and stuff like that, just just make sure you're kind of squared away in that, rather than you're using this interaction to elevate yourself. Right. And put them down. Right. Yeah. Uh, Which I think maybe connects into the next little segment a little bit, but we'll get that that in a minute. Yeah, it is. It's highly connected. (laughs) It's highly connected. Yeah. That's what I meant when I said we think of this section as a bunch of little chunks, but it's not. No. Uh, Because, you know, Jesus is aiming in a few sentences down the road to whatever you wish others to do to you, do also to them. That's the law and the prophets. So he's talking about how we relate to one another. How we relate. It just dawned on me another good example, uh, uh, not just the woman caught in adultery, but but David after the Bathsheba affair, Nathan comes to him and Nathan Mm -hmm. tells him this story about the sheep and the lambs and the rich guy taking the poor guy's lamb, all that kind of stuff. And David looks at that story. It's a made-up story. Right. But he looks at that story, and he's incensed by the story. He says, that's just really unjust. And yet, he's he's standing there in the injustice of what he's done with right. Bathsheba and Uriah. So it's like, how, how can he not see that this is where he's at? It's right. like, that's that blindness in a way. So then when, when Nathan points his finger at him and says, hey. He says, you're the man. You're the guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, oh. Oh yeah, so that that's a really good example of us being blind to our own shortcomings. Mm. So you just you just gotta you gotta take care when you do that. Well, you know if you if you offer advice to people, verse six, <laughs> to help them out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Use some discernment uh, okay, about who so you give it to. Okay, so we need to read this because verse 6 says, 
Do not give dogs what's holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Okay, so this little verse is taken out and and used in a a lot of different ways. no kidding. So famous. But there's contrasts here. There's dogs and what's holy, and there's pigs and what's precious. And what's precious, Right, and dogs and pigs are, are like, had specific meanings or understandings attached to them in Jesus' day. Dogs were... Uh, were vicious, were hungry, were in the scriptures. They're portrayed as howling and prowling and looking mm-hmm. for prey, mm-hmm. and they have no morality. Right to call right. someone as a dog is an utter term of contempt. Yeah, yeah. So I would encourage you if you uh, are learning to use your concordance, look up dog and dogs. And just read where they show up in mm-hmm. the scripture. It will what, give you a rep, well-rounded picture <laughs> of the reputation of <laughs> yeah. a dog. Yeah, that's right. Well, and pigs are very—they're really familiar with pigs and pig styes and pig pens. Okay, and, but God said flat out, "Don't eat the, the flesh of the swine because it's right. unclean for you." Right, right. So, and and here he says, if you cast, it's a, just a stupid picture to ca- take pearls, something that precious and valuable, and throw right. them to a pig, and all they're going to do is walk all over them. Because a pig, it's against his nature to be interested in pearls. Right, right, right. It's totally un unacceptable and yeah. has no meaning. Yeah, I to mean, a pig. we catch the picture. So, but what he is saying is, you you do have some truth that can be useful to people. But you need to be discerning because some people are. It's just gonna. It, it, it's just not gonna land with them. You know. It's it, in fact, it reminds me when uh, when Paul was in Ephesus in mm-hmm. Acts, middle of Acts. He was in Ephesus and he was having a really good time, a really productive time, and talking with people. And he and he used the synagogue there to do it. And he was in the synagogue for a long time. But then it turned out that a bunch of guys in the synagogue started opposing him actively. And he decided we got to move venues. We can't stay here in the synagogue. We need to go. This is when he went to the school of Tyrannus, my, my old dinosaur joke. <laughs> <laughs> but he went to the school of Tyrannus. And it says there deliberately that he pulled away from those people. So in right. a real sense, what he was doing was he was taking his his pearls and the holy things and moving away from the people that didn't that really didn't get it and they went to a private place and then for several years taught the people who did get it so he was using discernment there in terms of his listeners is all my point i was trying to say so so verse one says judge not lest you be judged but it doesn't say stop discerning you need to discern and here's an active encouragement to discern because you know you know the character of dogs and you know the character of pigs and you wouldn't do this so just be discerning on who you know would be receptive or not receptive to truth yeah I'm thinking there's even more here, but I haven't thought it through clearly enough to to, to stick your bring neck out through. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just thinking about uh, what's holy uh, being separated, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sanctified, set apart for God's purpose. So you don't take what's set apart for God's purpose and fling it to those who have no interest in God's purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of rambling all around here. Well, I'll give you another modern example. Um, I'm a big fan of Jews for Jesus, the ministry, and and what they what they teach their people to do, especially when they go out and do cold calling, is to the first step is to find out people who are just interested oh, in spiritual right, things. Right. And and if they're not, you just let them go. You don't pound them, you know, with with the real gospel stuff. You wait. You see, do you have any interest in spiritual things? And you see if they do, and you and you kind of work your way into the holy things, you know, into the pearls but if their first stuff is nah got no interest in that they just uh, turn away so that's that that's kind of on the spot discernment about who can be receptive to the gospel and it's not abusive it's just saying you know 
there will be people who will be productive to hear the gospel. You're just not one of them, at least not today. So that's how they do it. I wonder too if there isn't maybe a little hint here of the fact that the 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 self-proclaimed righteous ones regarded all that they had to say as holy and precious, yeah. right? They were yeah. bestowing pearls essentially on everybody right, right, they right, talked right. to, right. which were contaminated with their judgment, right? Oh yeah, They're sure. Like you know, let yeah. me let me speak you a little holy word, you know, and take that speck <laughs> out of your own eye. So I wonder yeah. if this isn't a little bit he's talking to them that could be um, yeah it, I, it, that's a different slant on this passage and like i said i have to keep thinking that through but yeah um, but it would be consistent with jesus to be um to be saying the same thing that could be heard with a different heart intent by different mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. so right. that the professionally righteous ones might see themselves here yeah could be well, let's push on. Verse okay. 7. Why don't you take us down verse 7. Okay. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Wow, this is great. All I have to do is pray and God gives me what I ask for. (laughs) So it's not always clear in English, but ask, seek, and knock. Those are continuous actions, right? That's an attitude of continually pursuing something right right so you know the question is what is it you're pursuing what mm-hmm. are you after what is it you want access to because right, if you're not going right. to adore you want what's inside yeah right yeah yeah and and this also i like the fact that this is uh it, it narrows down the mm-hmm. option to ask means just in the general universe god i want to be happy mm-hmm. <laughs> seek you kind of say well god i think this would be happy it's, it's like it's like you're pursuing a specific avenue in a way that's the seeking and then the knocking is here's the door here's the it. door let me in so it, it's sort of a narrowing down so he, he's not saying that's the process but he is saying that at any level of, of your need whether it's very specific to very broad and he's covering that whole spectrum you can ask god Ask your father. Yeah. Ask your father. And, Which yeah. is interesting because he had said just a little while before, you know, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Right, When right. he was talking about anxiety a mm-hmm. little while before or mm-hmm. more worry. So uh, you're good. your father is good and mm-hmm. he will give you good things if you ask him. Yeah, and he uses this great contra example. Like, like you know, he, he talks about... You know, would would a father, you know, when the son asks for bread, you know, give him a rock? Does that make any sense? No, you wouldn't do that. And you're you're you know, you're sinful people. Yeah, we know better than that. Ask for a fish, give him a server. No, 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 no. So if if you who are evil, that's the you know right. the sinful generation, if you know how to good know how to give good gifts, well what how much more does God? How much more does God? So if if you think it's like a waste of time to take your needs and your requests, your supplications, and bring them to God, you're misunderstanding the heart of this Father. Right, you're, right. I mean, you're way underselling who he is because even a, even a sinful father in our experience would answer in the positive. It's just a great encouragement to pray. Well, yeah, and to take your every need because God is not going to defraud you. God is right, not going to give right. you something that looks like it might be good, but it's really a fake. Right. Right. Or God is not going to fool you. He's not out to give you something that, that pretends to be what it's not. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. 
He wants to give good things to those who seek him because he's our father. Yeah, and he gives good things to those who ask him. So that's that counteracts what I said kind of silly at the beginning. Whatever asks God, he's got to give it to me, right? Well, what if I'm asking for things that aren't good for me? Will but, he answer that? Uh, is it, he's talking in this continual attitude of keep asking your father. He's the only place to go for those resources you need and he will respond by giving it that is his attitude to give and care for you so you know what are you seeking and who are you seeking it from yeah but i was saying what if i ask for things that aren't good because it says he'll give good things to those who ask him well what if i ask in my ignorance Ah. things that are not good for me well god will basically say no because yeah. he gives good things, which is ultimately good for us. It's exactly that's right. <laughs> so, so this isn't this isn't a, a formula for saying if I pray, that's God right. will give me what I that's ask right. for. It's not, but it does say that He will give us good things when we ask Him, and that's that's the important thing. And this is this verse right here. These verses have trained me to kind of generalize my prayers beyond my specifics to go backward, mm-hmm. almost almost in a vague way, saying, "God, I just want to be happy." <laughs> But that's a silly example. But I mean, instead of saying, I think I found the solution to my happiness, God, give me this. You know, right. I, want, I want that right. new motorcycle. I, I step back and say, no, I, I want contentment from you, from whatever you can give me. I, I want good things from you. And I can't even conceive of what those good things are. Well, you know, that goes back to when he was talking about prayer a couple yeah. of weeks ago about, you know, uh, give us today our daily bread. Give mm-hmm. us what we need for today, what right. will sustain life and feed us and care for us yeah. today. And you are the best judge of that, Father. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let him be the judge of what's good for you. Well, let's round this out. A very famous passage. I'll read this for us real quick. We're at verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I'll just stop there. That is the complete summation, right? If it you is. remember when that young man asked Jesus, which is the what's the greatest commandment in the law, he said, Well, love the Lord your God, quoting Deuteronomy with all right, your right. heart, soul, mind, and strength and everything. Love God and love your neighbor love as your yourself. Yeah. Which is from Leviticus nineteen eighteen. So, you know, that applies back to uh, the way we discern people mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm. we relate to people even the way we relate to god yeah yeah and i might point out that this there's a version of this that had pre-existed jesus saying this for quite some time and but it was a negative version i mean it was it was very common you see it in many cultures where it says you know don't do bad things to others that you don't want done to you right and it's a negative sense it's kind of a restrictive sense but here when jesus turns it into the positive he's saying you need to think about all the positive things <laughs> that you could do for somebody else not just what don't do but think about all the great stuff you could do well that's how you need to treat because people. your heavenly father does that he sends exactly. rain and sunshine on everyone right he had already yep. said that in this sermon yeah so go for the positive side okay let's finish this out verse 13 so enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few wow the you narrow know, and raw narrow there's and wide only two way. options yep there's this way or that way. And, you know, binary is not a popular word right now. <laughs> but the scripture continually right, presents right. this idea. There is the good way 
and there is the way that leads to death. And, uh, and if you're listening to this, well, we don't have time to go to the passage, but I would encourage you listeners to look at Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 15, because that's exactly what the Lord says. Mm. I've said mm. before you two ways, a way that leads to life Big and prosperity mm. and a way that leads to death and adversity. Yep. So choose the good way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And and here we have a, a, a similar way of saying it here, you know, about the mainstream of culture, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying, you can go with the mainstream of right. culture. That's drift. the That's the wide way. Drift and with the current. You'll drift right along with wherever they're going. But there is a way that is not mainstream. In a sinful culture, it's not mainstream. And it's a narrow way. And that will lead you to a better end. <laughs> so and you know, he uses the word gate. Yes, right, twice. Yes. And a gate is an access point. From one place to another. From one place to another. And mm-hmm. if you want to get to what's on the other side of the gate, you must go through that pinch point. Yep. You must yep. you gotta pay the toll. Yeah. In essence, you have to deal with the gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's interesting. He says you can be on a path that at the end of that path, there's a gate to something else. And what he's saying is that path you choose right now right. will determine which gate you Which go gate through. you come to. So that's a yeah. big, big deal. And uh, so it, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Have your mind transformed. So that's what he's saying here is you, you need to get out of the mainstream. You need to get out of the mainstream culture because it's fallen and sinful and it's headed to a gate that you don't want to get to. But if you go on the narrow path, and he'll define that in the next section, in fact, you go on the narrow path, well, you'll find life. Well, that's what I want. But it may not be popular and it may not be mainstream. That's the problem. That's why it's hard. Not because the good works are hard, but you're, you're going against the flow of everyone else and it won't be popular. Well, oh gosh, we're at the end of our time again. Well, yeah, it just occurs <laughs> to me while we're talking here about the, the narrow gate and the broad gate is that Jesus is kind of entering the final phase of this sermon and that's really where yeah. he's going to yeah. finish yeah. is with the house built on the rock or the house built on the sand. Yeah, so that's yeah, a little right. teaser for what's coming next week at oh, the end yeah. of chapter 7. And in fact, believe it or not, when we come back next time, he's going to introduce us to people who are actively engaged in putting us on the mm, broad. The wrong path. Yeah, the wrong path. <laughs> Very sneaky people who know how to do that, who are actively engaged in getting us off the narrow path. Uh, it, it's amazing. So come back with us next time. We're going to continue. In fact, we're going to not only continue the Sermon on the Mount, We're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount next time as we take a look at the last half of chapter 7. And again, many things that will look very familiar to you, but don't turn off your brains. This is really great, great stuff. A wonderful, wonderful sermon. So come back with us next time. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad you're joining with us. And we're glad you're joining with Jesus as he's teaching us. And we're going to do it again next week on More More Than Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you are there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. Oh, hesitated. I thought I had another answer in there, but... <laughs> This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.